Welcome to the second episode of the Tribecast, Jungle Brothers What What podcast uh, made for our members and our community. Um, today we have a guest, Dave B. Banks, Dave Booksbank, um, and I'm here with Joe and Tiora as well. Everyone Ahoy. say hi. Hey guys, Hello. great to be here. <laughs> Booksbank on the mic. Welcome. You can't see his filthy cauliflower ears behind those ear- earphones. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, they're great. These uh, <laughs> these earphones hide my best feature. <laughs> so I guess the goal today we want to we want to get we want to go get a little bit of a bio on Dave and uh, he's mm-hmm. our yeah, mm-hmm. specialist grappling coach, um, old friend of mine. We want to want to pick his brain on some stuff and and hopefully provide a bit of context for the people out there. Um, yeah, and then just get into it, see where it goes. Can we do a, a quick recap then? Let's go down memory lane. Just to spend a minute. Where? How you ended up here, or, uh, you know, your history with Joe. Well, it's uh, actually quite funny. I was actually thinking about this on the drive over here. It's actually quite a funny story how I met Joe. Um, I basically came over to Australia about 11 years ago. And uh, I started doing jiu-jitsu seriously when I was over here. And then I went back home for a year to finish off my degree. Anyway, when I came back, my coach had been training up these new guys. And he was like, oh, man, I've got these killer white belts that I'm uh, that I want you to roll with and I was like ah oh. I was like uh, okay I'll uh because I've been training for quite a while this time I was like man I'll uh, I'll, I'll bash these guys so anyway uh, Dan led me uh, across to this guy that's uh, sitting on the mat and it turned out to be Joe and that was literally the first time I'd ever met him and uh, and uh, my coach Dan was a uh, Dan Sainty he was like okay he said uh, let's see how we go and then he was like Dave he said uh, don't be uh don't be too nice to him. So anyway, Joe proceeded to kick the crap out of me. And I remember I was like, man, what the hell? This guy's been training for three months. You know, anyway, I didn't know that Dan had actually been training Joe specifically to kick my ass. So anyway, the role continues to get more and more intense. And then uh, it finishes uh, towards the end when Joe actually has me in an armbar. And that's a submission where if I don't tap, my arm's going to break. And me being a... Uh, how old was I at the time? I don't know. Far younger than I am now. And uh, I basically wasn't tapping and the arm was fully extended. And, uh, and, and I remember Joe had the arm and he looked across at Dan, my coach, and uh, our coach, and, uh, and Dan yelled, break it! <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and, I, and, I, and I tapped. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that, that, that was a long time ago. But that was the first time I actually met Joe. So... Um, now, so and since then we've been training uh, most of the time. We've had a few breaks, but we've been training pretty much consistently for 10, 11 years since then. And, and Joe's obviously gone on uh, the route towards uh, the Jungle Brothers, which I think it's fair to say has taken a little bit of focus away from uh, <laughs> a jiu-jitsu. But you know, man, we've been training you know pretty much consistently since then. So, yeah, long time. Yeah, I think that first role definitely set the tone for our relationship <laughs> too. If we if we go back, there's there was kind of intermittent times when <laughs> just a regular training session would turn into like the world championship finals yeah. and people would sort of clear away because Dave and I'd be having like a fucking ultimate grudge match against each other. <laughs> yeah, and and I probably only got the better of him <laughs> for those first sort of six months and then it started to all lean his way. I don't know. You, you've, you've, you've had your moments, <laughs> man. You've, you, it's gone back and forth a few times. You know, you've, you've really le- uh, leveled up and I've been like, oh, crap, and he's kicking the... Cr- and, then, and then I've just... So it's gone back and forth... Uh, but yeah, it, it did set the tone. That, that that's fair to say. But, but uh, yeah. so so um, just a bit more of a background on yourself. Like before <coughs> jujitsu, uh, you know, what were you playing sport then, or were you always into to martial arts? And then 
maybe tell us a bit about, um, you know, where you've <coughs> trained at and, and what kind of belt you have and, you know, do you, you've, you've had some experience in competitions and stuff like that, right? Yeah, so, I mean, let's start at the beginning. That's the easiest place. Uh, before jiu-jitsu, I was... I actually started off, like, exercising at 18. I was a chubby 18-year-old, never trained, never did anything, and I kind of drifted into martial arts half by accident. And there was a kung fu club I went to, and I just walked in, and the guys were rolling around on the floor. And I didn't know this, but they had literally just started. They had no idea, by modern standards, what they were actually, what they were doing. And it was my first Sifu was a guy called uh, Ross Whitby in England. And a uh, lovely guy, great guy. And he, uh, him and his top student, Phil Else, kind of drew me into grappling. And for, I did it for a few years. And it was, it, it's what I, you know, I had a job and everything, but I only ever looked forward to training. I only ever looked forward to training. So to actually gradually be able to make money from training like I came to Australia and then met my coach uh, Dan Sainty well I met him in uh, in Thailand actually but came to Australia to train with him and then to be able to do it full-time was it really everyone goes ah oh, jiu-jitsu saved my life I mean I don't know whether it saved it but it certainly made it far more pleasurable and a, a, a far greater experience than, I mean, you guys are exceptions, but like a lot of people, they have the nine till five grind and then they have two or three hours every day that they actually enjoy. And for me, it freed me from that. So coming through the ranks of jiu-jitsu, going from white belt to blue to purple, brown, and then finally to black, it was an amazing experience of being able to do what I enjoy, but I tell you what, it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. It's, it's tough. It's, as, as, uh, as my coach once said, it's the girl you'll never get. You know, it, it, it's just... Well said. It's, you know, it's this thing that's always out of reach, but you keep trying, and it's, it's a lot of fun trying to get there. So, yeah. Dave, what's your, what's your definition of of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I mean, for, if you were to try and explain it in words to someone who, who's got no idea what it is, how would you define it? Well, it, I mean, that's, uh, that's quite an expansive question. But uh, basically what I would say, if someone said that, it's, it's basically a, it's a grappling art. It's an art where you don't kick or punch, but you actually learn to apply pressure and force your will on somebody with just using your body weight. You can do that from the top, you can do that from the bottom. There's a huge uh, sphere of, uh, of actual, uh, of human movement that, that comes into jiu-jitsu. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's something that anyone can do. Like you, you look at most, a lot of striking, the guys that strike for the most part, they're very fit, strong, fast, athletic guys. And you do get guys like that in jiu-jitsu, of course, Joe being one of them, but Thank you. it's- uh, <laughs> Used to be one of them. But, uh, <laughs> no, 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 I'm still one, but. <laughs> but, but you don't need that. You can be very technical, and I've never been particularly athletic, but I've, I've always really tried to emphasize the, the, the technical aspect of jiu-jitsu, you know, so that's why a, a thin, scrawny English guy can actually uh, hold his own against someone like Joe, who's 
considerably bigger, stronger, and more explosive than me. You know, mm. so that's that's what I uh, very explosive. That's what I, Joe is. <laughs> Joe is actually my uh, my boss here, one of my bosses, and I'm actually aiming for a raise here. So I'm being very nice to him. <laughs> on the record, but uh, anyway, wrong boss, bro. Yeah. <laughs> well, big we'll, big boss. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to you, man. Don't worry. We, we, I've just started. But anyway, no, and, and that's what I would say about a jiu-jitsu is something anyone can do. Um, anyone can do really well, and anyone can get really good at. Um, and it, yeah, it's it's a great thing to to be to be good at as well, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd like to add to that. I think that um, the you know the use of the body weight, like where because you could say that that applies. You could that definition could also carry over to say wrestling or something like that. Oh, totally. You know, in, at, in moments. But I think the thing that makes jujitsu is unique is the the uh, the refinement of timing and positioning and leverage. I definitely you know, they're, they're the things that allow the smaller person to beat the bigger person. Um, and that's what enables... That's why it's so hard to understand why when you roll with someone like Dave, why it's just so fucking difficult because you're like on the outside or on paper, everything, like things don't look that, you know, drastically different but they just are because his understanding of those innate qualities is so much greater. And that's kind of the invisible jiu-jitsu, I guess. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, Invisible, <clears throat> invisible uh, jiu-jitsu that uh, Joe referred to there is when you look at what's going on, you can't see what's going on. You actually have to feel it. Like you can see two people rolling or, or wrestling with each other and you can't see what's going on. You can't tell. You have to experience it to feel the weight that's coming down, the pressure. You know, it's, that's what it's called, invisible jiu-jitsu. It's there, but it's also not there unless you're feeling it or you obviously have an understanding of what's going on. So, yeah. Do you guys consider like, do you consider it more of a, a sport or, or a martial art? Like your your own personal i know it's I, that it's both but you're i mean i guess different different people focus on uh check they they travel a different path with with martial arts i know from my my own experience that it's been more of a sport sport approach uh with rules and we i've never really delved into the carters and the mindset of a martial artist or anything like that what is it more to to you guys well, uh, for myself, <clears throat> I think it's... That's a difficult one, actually. It's interesting. I, I think it's a bit of both. I mean, you can generally, in jiu-jitsu, you can break it down into self-defense or the sportative side. And the self-defense side is obviously, you know, well, it's pretty simple. You know, you're, you're trying to, to beat someone who is attacking you. So that is... That, would I, I would say, is the martial arts side. I would say I have focused more on the sport aspect of jiu-jitsu. I've competed a lot in, you know, in, in numerous disciplines, in, in wrestling, in, in kickboxing, in, uh, <clears throat> in, in jiu-jitsu, in MMA. Um, but I, I really would say it's both. I mean, I, I think that's the beautiful thing about the jiu-jitsu. It is whatever you want it to be. Whatever you'd like it to be, you can make it whatever you want it to be. So there is definitely a huge sportative a aspect to it, but there's also a, a real martial arts side too. So, I mean, what is it for me? Possibly getting more towards the martial arts side now, but there's definitely a sport there for me too. I have an admission to make. What is the definition of a martial art? Can anyone tell me that? Because I kind of have a feeling, well, but I can't articulate. Well, let's try, let's try and paint a picture. Let's try and work that out. 
Um, well, usually, Marshall it, is is a uh, is is like a mili military. Well, and yeah. art is the the art or the practice of a military. Yeah. Something or other. I think you could interpret military as a discipline. So, because mm. it's a it's a discipline that you follow. So the military is you know, um, for yourself, getting up, training, staying consistent with it. Uh, you know, always developing type thing. It's like a self self military type thing. So, um, I don't know with a with a martial art. Um, there's a culture like a that goes with well, it. it. It's a, it's a way. It's a way of life. It's a well. It's, it's I personal think development way. too. Well, I, th I think it's an well. It, martial comes from the uh, arts of Mars, like the art, the uh, the planet of war. That's where the the the, uh, the word originates from. So, <clears throat> I think anything where there's a a discipline and it's set down what you're actually doing. I think that is a martial art. You know, it's if there's you know, I mean, because there's a, a huge people have been wrestling as long as they've been able to, as long as they've been able to walk around. So <clears throat> they've been, it, it's been there, but I think, you know, you look, go back to ancient Greece and you look at the pancreation that they had there. And that was, you know, that, that was when it was, uh, I think one of the first times it was fully, you, you know, like it became a, what's the word? High, high profile. It became, mm. it became a high-profile thing, and that's when people... Like, like a oh. league. Exactly, yes. And it's like, oh, that's a, a martial arts. Like when you had... Uh, there were four cities, or the four areas in, in uh, Greece, and one of them was... Uh, that would be Olymp a sport, Olympia. wouldn't it? Wouldn't uh, it be a martial art if it was, like, utilised by soldiers in the, in the military or something? Well, that's, that's, that's a good point, but, but w w what if it's a... Uh, I'm um, Googling. Google that shit. Or <laughs> Cool, we just came from the Google office. We get like <laughs> ultra quick responses from Google now. I don't need people in botany with it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but what if, it's, uh, what if it is uh, t two people who are engaged in an actual uh, a fight? And, yeah, and a one-on-one -on -one battle. You know, it doesn't have to necessarily be something where I declare war on you. It could be that, you know, we're having an actual fight and uh to the death well <laughs> we've had a few oh, of those <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> i tell you what though for me like and i'm sure dave would you know and anyone who's been on some kind of uh you know combat sport or martial arts journey themselves could identify but the the thing with jiu-jitsu is that you get into it for whatever reason it's you know exciting fun you want to get fit you like the idea of rolling around submitting people um, but then ultimately it, it becomes like at some point there's an internal battle because like I know for me there was a big internal battle because I started it, I was quite athletic, I had this sort of natural ability that carried me through for a while. But then like you get to a point when you get someone that's better than you or faster or more athletic and then you're getting your ass kicked in training. You know, you used to go to training and you could kind of kick everyone's ass and now you're getting your ass kicked. And then like... On the outside, it's no big problem. But internally, it's like your ego takes a massive bashing, right? And I know, like, how many guys start jiu-jitsu, have that, get to the point where they're not the top dog anymore, and then quit. And it's like, oh, yeah, I did it for a couple of years, got a blue belt, and then they, you know, they're, they're out of it. Um, I think that, like, once you get into that side of it and you start to overcome these internal things where you're actually addressing your ego, you're, you're forced to uh, challenge your own belief systems or your own identity. So, you know, what am I? Am I the am I the fucking grappling monster that just, you know, like is that me or am I am I actually just a guy that I was okay at it then and I'm still okay now, but there's heaps of people out there that are, that are better than me and 
it's just a practice that I'll continue to do. I feel like that becomes the martial arts side of it, you know, that kind of inner journey. Um, and that's, you know, because if it, the way I look at it, if it's just a sport thing, then it's like I turn up to my training and I, like when I used to play soccer, I didn't give a fuck that much. Turn up and train once a week. Play it the showed. <laughs> <laughs> Dickhead. <laughs> but you know, it's it's different. It's different for whatever reason. But there's there's less of a buy in there, and it's you know you don't have this kind of challenging. Maybe because mm. it's a team sport. I don't know, as opposed to an individual sport. Mm. But um, yeah, I feel like that that martial arts kind of or that warrior element of it is kind of an internal thing that occurs. No, yeah, I I completely agree. Sorry, man. I got Wikipedia here. Here we go. Wikipedia says martial arts are codified systems and traditions of combat practices, which are practiced for a number of reasons as self-defense, military and law enforcement applications, mental and spiritual development, as well as entertainment and the preservation of a nation's intangible cultural heritage to your award. Can you comment? No, no, Give no. That, yeah, that all make, makes sense to me. It covers a whole bunch of different... Pretty much. ...different yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's pretty far-reaching, isn't it? Mm. It's, uh, you could almost include sport within that, right? Yeah, well, that's... In a way, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting you mentioned at the end about the a country's uh, culture because uh, you look at, for instance, uh, like uh, judo. It comes from Japan, which uh, has a very rigid, you know, like you, you bow at the beginning of each contest. It's very, very, you know, like uh, set, you know, uh, formal... Uh, beginnings for contests and then you have uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu which <laughs> ironically came directly from Judo but it's a far more relaxed especially in uh, in when there's competition and, and it, it really reflects the kind of uh, 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 the cultural impact uh, the culture uh, the cultural origin of the actual martial art you know the, of like of, of Japanese mm -hmm. society and <clears throat> and then uh, a Brazilian culture which is Far more relaxed and easygoing. Relax, so, man. Yeah, relax, my friend. <laughs> then uh, I'm going to get hated on for that. <laughs> then, uh, Never then, do then, that again. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's definitely got that street yeah. style kind of aspect to yeah. it, which definitely. is which is what makes it a lot more fun, I think. Less rigid no, than traditional right. martial arts. It's it's a really great aspect of it that I think I just want to pick up on something that you were talking about where you're talking about the inner journey and uh, and I think one of the great things about uh, jiu-jitsu I mean I can't comment so much on other martial arts but for jiu-jitsu it was with me it's the uh, the fact that it is uh, it is a real struggle and it's a great uh, metaphor for life that you you struggle and you struggle again and you and you improve I'm, I'm taking a lot from Joe Rogan here but you know I, I really love it the fact that you do struggle and you do that there are those points where someone who was uh, I'm going to use uh, quote marks here below you rises above you and then you have two options you can either say right no 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 I will re I will rise to the top again above you or I kind of half give up and you say right okay it's just going to be a three times a week kind of thing and that's what I think Joe was talking about where a lot of people they just kind of they're half broken but people who stick with it and they appreciate that you know you're not always going to be the, the hammer sometimes you're going to be the nail but in the end you will persevere if you if, if you do keep going and it's like that in life and that's what I love about jiu-jitsu it's not about the competition or it's nice to win medals but it's the fact that it improves you as a person, and it's the same, I'm sure, with the, 
the, the movement community, you know, that do their thing, you know, where it's like, you know, it, it, it takes years to be able to achieve some of the things you do. I've seen you doing your freaking crazy handstand push-ups, Joe, you know, and it's like, I can't do that. <laughs> you know, not yet. It'll, it'll, not yet, but it'll take, you know, years to get there. So I appreciate, you know, and I've seen, you know, UT doing some of your, uh, so, you know, you doing your flag. I can't do that, you know, but I appreciate it took years for you to get there to be able to do it. So, yeah, struggle. I'd like to uh, share a little story about Dave because um, oh God. When, I, when, I, when I look at Dave and when I think about his style, it, and this, wouldn't, this, doesn't, this is not on the surface, but probably the, the word that, that fits his, his grappling style is uh, tenacious. And, uh, and I think that that's something that has been a necessary cultivation for, a, a, you know, what do you weigh? 70 kilos. 70 kilos. Yeah. So for a 70 kilo guy who's, who you've competed in the open division many times. Yeah. So yeah, open division is, is like open weight. So you get guys 100 kilo plus in there, which if you take two people at a similar skill level and then give one of them an extra 30, 40 kilos, it's obviously a pretty hefty advantage. Um, one weekend years ago, and I can't fucking remember why we did it, but Dave and I decided to do two competitions on the one weekend. There was a Saturday competition in Brisbane and a Sunday competition in Melbourne. You remember that? Yeah, of course, man. Yeah, it was, it was yeah, like the, was the fun, Queensland yeah. Open or something, and then... It was Brisbane. Yeah, it was it yeah. Brisbane, uh, and then we... Yeah, that Brisbane was Saturday, and then... Yeah. So we, we, we flew up to Brisbane. I think we stayed the night there, maybe. Went and did the comp. I fought against my arch nemesis, got beaten in the final, as per usual. You can go back to that earlier podcast if you want to hear that story. Um, <laughs> I can't remember how you did in Brisbane. Did you... What happened to you there? I, well, they we just fought absolute. They didn't have anyone my weight, so I fought absolute. I won my first fight, and then I lost my second against uh, my at the time arch nemesis uh, Mita Almeida. Ah, I'll, I'll yes. I'll give him a shout out. Yeah, I think we fought about five times. I never beat that guy. Which <laughs> we fought five times, but man, he he was. He, he, Wait, didn't you fight him then in the, in the next day when we were in Melbourne? No, no. I oh, that was, that was the footlock day. That was the footlock day. Ah, uh, yeah. yes, that I can't remember that. That was the day of many footlocks. But um, yeah, that, uh, yeah uh, that was one weekend and we did two comps and we flew around the, co the country like superstars. Well, yeah, so we, awesome. we, did, we did this comp in Brisbane and then we flew to, to Melbourne that night and then we stayed the night and then we got up and then went to a comp again the next day and... I'll fucking be honest, like energy was pretty low by then because you just, there's a stress or an expenditure of energy that comes from just being at a comp and waiting to compete and all that stuff. And it's not, there's a lot of nerves and anxiety for most people. For me, there was plenty and I never, I never really liked that feeling. Mm. Um, but so we did the, we did the Brisbane comp, or we did the Melbourne comp and Dave competed in his weight and don't go ahead of the story, but do you remember how you did in your weight division that day? No. Neither. You had a few matches, I remember, and the day had basically come to an end. And there was a, I think we checked, Dave was registered for the absolute division, so another division on that second day. <laughs> and nothing was happening, and we were looking at the clock, and we had a flight out of there, and we're like, cool. We fucking had a bunch of matches, maybe won a couple of medals, picked up a couple of free t-shirts, let's get out of here. <laughs> so I'd already had a shower, I was like, had all my shit together, ready to go to the airport. Dave's like, cool man, I'm just gonna go take a shower. He goes downstairs, take a shower. I'm hanging out in the, in the competition hall. And then I hear fucking David Brooksbank, match number four. And I'm like, oh, shit, Dave's on again. So I run over to the mat and I'm like, yeah, I'm here with Dave. And they're like, are you Dave Brooksbank? I'm like, no, 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 he's in the shower. And they're like, he's got two minutes to be on the mat. 
And I was like, oh, okay, thinking, man, we're out of here, man. Dave's already having a shower. So I run down to the bathroom. I'm like, Dave, you in here? He's like, yeah, man, I'm having a shower. I said, dude, they've called your name. You've got to match up, but you, I'm guessing you don't want to do it. You're like, what? They called my name? Fucking let's go, man. So Dave- That's my name, it's out yeah, there. Jumps out of the shower, like, she has like still soapy and shit, chucks on his gear or whatever he had, and he comes up to the match, and the match is with- Paul Stoiler, yeah. <laughs> who's like a fucking monster. He's a tank, man. The He's guy's enormous, guy. man. And I and like it was just it was like five six o'clock, two big days. He could have just bailed out and gone like, no, I'm good. I'm just going to finish washing under my arms and let's go to the airport. And Dave like jumps back on the mats against this fucking behemoth who's like you know two percent body fat. Um, I can't remember how it went, but I know he fucked you up. That's that's yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah. Thanks, Joe. But I was, was like, I, yeah. I had so much respect for you at that moment. I was like, mate, I would not have done that. I would have just cruised into a taxi and gone home. But <laughs> no, he, uh, he he won he won pretty convincingly, as I remember. But, but no, yeah, that yeah that that was pretty much what happened. Yeah, I remember that. I was like, I like got out of the shower and just ran onto the mats and then ran straight back to the shower again afterwards. <laughs> yeah, we had to sprint for the. Uh, for the tax, uh, for the flight, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. it was a cool weekend, man. That it was, it was. Cool. was. Yeah. So, Dave, on that subject, like dealing with being the weight that you are and having to deal with, I mean, obviously, being I'm guessing being a black belt, you probably always have people wanting to test themselves against against you, like brown belts and yeah, um, sure. purple sure. belts and guys that are obviously going to be a lot bigger than you. Yeah. How do you how do you deal with first like someone that's getting aggressive with you on the mats, and then also how do you deal with say like injury management? Do you get injured often? No. Right. Um, <clears throat> I asked. I, I answered your uh, last question first, yeah. so uh, I'll answer your working backwards. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, f- someone who's aggressive on the mats, man, like. Generally speaking, you get lots of different kinds of roles. You get kinds of roles where you're practicing something. You'll get the kind of role where you're actually like you're just having fun and you're rolling. And then there'll be another kind of role where it's a fight. And I had a, a discussion with someone online about this where they were saying jiu-jitsu is not a fight. And I was like, well, in the nicest way possible, man, you've never had a really intense role. Like, you know, you've, you've obviously never competed and had a really intense role. I remember we were talking about Mitar Almeida. I had one of my fights with him, and I remember he, uh, he had me mounted at one point, and, and he, he was choking me, and the, the, the choke, I, I tucked my chin, and he had the attitude of, well, okay, I'm going to put it across your jaw then. And he did, and my teeth sliced up the inside of my mouth, and there was blood everywhere and it was so funny there was blood all over his gi blood all over mine and that was a fight that was like you know that was as intense as any of my mma matches so like that was that was a fight so how do you deal with it well you've got you get used to it that's it you know you you get used to being able to defend yourself and being able to put yourself in safe positions and fortunately i've had training partners like joe that specialize in trying to take my head off you know so it's happy to help yeah yeah (laughs) very happy yeah and uh, so you know you get you you get used to it but you know like as in in fairness as we have joe and i have uh, got older and uglier you know we have well in my case uh, (laughs) anyway we we have um you learn to relax more and it's not about me beating the other guy. 
it's you know and when someone then comes in with that attitude of i want to beat him that's the black belt you're just like okay man give it uh give it your best shot yeah and if you do awesome good for you man i mean i'm gonna come back and try and kick your ass now because you know but it's um you know yeah it's just the way it is man you know every everyone wants to win no matter what so yeah i get it it's cool um if you're the I, well, just coming from a from a member's point of view at Jungle Brothers, um, and I've had a few people that I've talked to on the floor about, and I've asked them, "Have you tried the Jits class? Are you going to get in there and have a go?" And a lot of them are like, a lot of people are like, "Yeah, I want to get in there and have a crack at it." And and there's other people that are like, they're not sure about it. You know, they see what's happening on the mats, they don't understand uh, what's going on. Uh, it's very there's a lot of contact. Um, and some, and I, from a distance, it can look quite intimidating. So if you're dealing with someone who's like an absolute beginner, doesn't have a lot of a train, uh, much of a training history, what, um, how do you approach someone like that? How do, you, how do you get them to feel comfortable on the mats and what kind of um, procedures like take place for them to, to, to enjoy the sport and not get themselves beat up? Well, generally speaking, the, the first class is always the hardest if you're starting. That's the one where you're like, oh, I don't know. Like, I would always say, <clears throat> come with someone that you know. If someone's a complete beginner and they're obviously a little bit slightly, I'm not going to use the word intimidated, but if we're a bit nervous, I'm going to say, okay, then you go with whoever your friend is that you brought along. You just stay with them for, for the evening or, or most of the evening. We'll switch around. but And that way you know that you're with someone that you trust and everything you do is, is, is you know, it's is, is fine. You know, you know you're a beginner and it's like, you know, it's, it, it's not a problem. You know, I mean, generally speaking, everyone that I've spoken to in uh, the Jungle Brothers one, everyone's been incredibly relaxed with their rolling and I, 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 I can't think of one injury that has happened while I've been training here. The funny thing is, in complete flipping the ratios we have in my classes anyway always more girls than guys yeah like that's the first time in the history of brazilian jiu-jitsu that (laughs) that has ever happened normally it's 20 guys and you've got one girl you know who is like you know really loves you know jiu-jitsu but here you there's always more girls than guys And, and i always say this girls are smart girls pick it up really quick and you, you know they, you know the, they're used to being the smaller person, and they really channel that fact of that they're the smaller person. They have to be more technical, and they really pick up and understand uh, jiu-jitsu wonderfully. It's it's great to see. You know, they I'd agree with that. Yeah, I, I might, the evening <coughs> classes are probably slightly more males. Sure. Um, but definitely, I mean, I think girls girls in general train with less ego than guys, right? And that that egoless approach allows them to learn quicker oh sure i mean you, you i mean i always say if someone says how do i avoid getting injured i'm saying right okay always be ready to tap never be afraid to tap and then develop safe positions where you know you can't get hurt and then you can always go to them if you want to you know and the safe position so what are safe positions all right well tuck your elbows into your body and tuck your chin down and that's that, that that can be the first safe position. So if you're on your back and you're getting squished, just make sure your arm doesn't get isolated. Don't let the guy get on your neck, you know? So Mm -mm. that's what I would say. 
I think, um, you know, going back to your question, T, about dealing with new people in a class and that kind of thing, which has been an interesting, um, uh, what's the word? The, the, the uh, dynamic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, like a, something that we've had to be really mindful of introducing the grappling program here. Um, but I think a lot of it around, like, you need, like, it has to be an effective kind of, you have to be able to teach people the context of what they're doing in, you know, on the mat. So they look at it from the outside and it looks like one thing. And then, you know, you see it when you let newer people roll that they, they just kind of engage in this primal kind of wrestling thing. So I think it's really about stopping them from tapping into that primal side straight off the bat, not letting them roll, not letting them freestyle with each other, but giving them like a set position or a set concept and having them play with that and go, cool, like this is just one little part keep doing it, keep doing it, and, you know, and, and gradually over the days or over the, the sessions, building on those layers of, of context until they get to a point where they're like, oh, okay, I kind, of, I kind of get how it works now. I can't do it. Like there's still, you know, whatever. There's still much more coordination and a billion different positions to learn, but they kind of get the, the idea of it. And I think once you get to that point, then it's like, okay, cool. Now we can start to let the leash off a little bit and let you let you roll right which is in jiu-jitsu class that's generally the the fun part that everyone wants to get to it's like you want to roll yeah for sure but but in the beginning in the you know at least and depending like but for most people in the beginning we don't let them roll right like now not not straight away yeah i think for the first couple weeks we didn't first few weeks maybe but now everyone's at a level where they can they can roll and they're very respectful and and gentle with each other it's it's that's Mm. mainly a safety thing yeah, yeah, totally. You don't want them to hurt each other. But also you don't want you don't want someone to get like emotionally scarred. Like you don't want to put you know, yeah, someone who's yeah. new and maybe a little bit little bit timid by the, you know, intimidated by the whole thing to roll with some monster and then they get beaten up and they're like, "Fuck, I never want to experience that again." You know, they will experience it eventually, but you want to be able to prepare them a little bit before that time comes. Yeah, I agree with Joe on that, and that's something we actually talked about quite a bit and uh you know, I've I've seen it in in other places I've trained where someone has been like scarred by you know getting roughed up. You've got to one has to b- b- uh, build people up before you can actually uh, test them with rolling. I mean, some people you just throw them on. You're like, yeah, okay, you've done a couple of weeks. You're fine. Other people, little more little more time is needed. You know, but yeah, I remember my first lesson jumping <coughs> straight into the fire, and I fucking loved it. <laughs> But it was because I went with some other guy who wasn't that good and I was able to choke him out a bunch of times because I'd watched a few UFC session, um, events. And I was like... You were an expert. I was like, you were an expert. Yeah, this is the best sport ever. <laughs> but yeah, it was highly irresponsible. Had I not have been, you know, whatever, moderately physically prepared, it could have gone completely in the opposite direction. It's funny you say that actually because I, um, I was teaching at, a, at, an <clears throat> at another place where I actually uh, teach a uh, quick shout out to um, JJ Maruba, by the way. Oi. And uh, I, um, Johnny Walton, great guy. And there was this kid that turned up and I was like, ah, hey, how's it going? He's, he's, a, bit, he's a bit of a bigger kid, bigger than all of the others. But, you know, anyway, he was, uh, he was wrestling and, uh, and I was looking, I was like, he said he'd never trained before and I was watching him and, you know, a little sod had obviously done something before and I was like, all oh, right, you know, okay, what, what, what's going on here? And I spoke to him afterwards and I was like, where have you trained before? No, I've never d- done it but before, it's my first session. I was like, no, man, seriously, come on, you know, he was, he was 13. I was like, come on, where have you trained? He was like, no, 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 he said, I've, I've watched quite a bit of UFC. I was like, 
you've watched it on telly. <laughs> <laughs> and then you came and did it on a resisting opponent here. <laughs> I was like, my God. So uh, for me, it's interesting just how, especially in this case, kids just p- pick things up. Like that, w- I mean, uh, now, you know, Joe and I can do it. You can see a move and go, oh, yeah, right, I'll, and you'll do it because, you know, we've been doing this for years. But if you've never done it, it's literally like watching a program on how to fly the space shuttle. You know, <laughs> you've watched, a, you've, you've watched a, 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 like a couple of instructionals on it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I've, I've got this, you know, I can, I, I can fly the down. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you haven't got a clue, mate. And, and it, was, it, it was just really interesting, like, you know. That's cool. Yeah. What, uh, what about you guys? You guys are both beyond jiu-jitsu journeys. What was your initial experience? Um, well, my first... Well, you, you were doing jiu-jitsu for years before I ever walked into my first jiu-jitsu school. I remember so, you from 10 years ago, man. You had the afro. You had an afro, Yours was more epic than mine. Come on, man. Mine was kind of not cool, but yeah. Wispy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, there was, there was years back then when Joe was doing this thing and we were hanging out and I had no idea. Like, I wasn't watching UFC. I, I had no idea. And you would have been doing it for four years or, or maybe more before I even, like, thought, oh, this is pretty interesting. I'd like to give it a go. Joe used to just wrestle me whenever he could. I remember once we were shooting on a film. Remember when we were... In Melbourne? In Melbourne, <laughs> yeah. And we, they put us up, they flew us down for some shoots on this, uh, what was it, some sort of series that we, were, we kept on flying Band down. Band of Brothers. Before. Yeah, Band of Brothers. We were working on that. And that is in a hotel. And we went out one night, got drunk. Joe would just latch onto me. And he, <laughs> it was like after midnight and he was wrestling me down the streets of Melbourne. Go back to the hotel room, more wrestling going on. He took me out into a wall and I, I like <laughs> threw me to his wall and put a big hole in this hotel wall. <laughs> Was just below the window, but luckily it had like floor to ceiling curtains. We just pulled the curtain across the hole, and that was that. Was that. Um, but yeah, there was lots of times. You know, that was my first real jiu-jitsu experiences. Was just Joe, um, just roll happy. And I sound like such a dick, but I'm such a nice guy. <laughs> He's a nice guy. Um, and then eventually, I can't remember. I guess I wanted to. I wanted to get back into martial arts or of some sort. I was playing soccer. Wasn't that stoked on it. Um, and then, yeah, I started watching a bit of UFC and it became interesting for me. And then I ended up uh, at Marrickville Fair. I was living in Marrickville at the time and someone handed me a flyer and it was like, come down for a free thing. And I was like, holy shit, this gym is literally on the other side of my block. It was a two minute walk. Um, so, yeah, I went in there and, um, awesome. and that was, yeah, Mario. And, uh, Mario and Yokohama. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So, so then I tried. Cool. You guys competed against each other? Uh, yeah, yeah, we've fought a couple of times. I think we're one and one at the moment. He's, uh, yeah, we're, we're both old now. <laughs> but no, he's a, he's a cool guy. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm friends with some of his students. So nice. It's, uh, it's a good school, my BJJ. So. Nice. Yeah, I, I really loved it. Like, from the beginning, it was very challenging and I, it took me a long time to get over being physical and being tense. It took me, like, a good year of going there consistently to freaking try, like... And I probably, I still am very much like that. But I, for me, it was a very big change coming from a team sports, team sports guy type mentality. It was like, get your ass kicked, come back. You know, nothing changes until I change. And for me, that was a very big uh, shift in my whole thinking, like for, for, for all of my life and everything that I was doing, actually. Because up until that point, it was all sports where you, 
you win together and you lose together. This was like all all you, you know, like oh, interesting. And I yeah. and I really, I took a lot from that. I still do, and you know, didn't work out over the years. Freaking traveling on films and stuff and not getting the consistent training, but I'm super stoked that we've got it in our gym here um, and I'm starting to pick it back up again. So, so it's, it's good energy here. Good and to um, see. Yeah, mm. it's cool. And Tiora. Uh, yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, having it here in the gym with yeah. us, you know, it's great. Love it. I've always, I've never delved into the jits the way you guys have. I've always looked at it as more of a, a not an accessory thing for me but something to um like an area where I'd, I'd like to fill in my training just to kind of complete things mm. i much prefer to to kick and punch things pummel a lot more the <laughs> 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 yeah. platform was falling down <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i love it it's awesome <clears throat> and i'm still reigning longest white belt in history <laughs> sydney Tiora was say? the first man to ever show me how to do a rear naked choke. Really? Yep. Rainy, 2000 rainy 2006 on set of Superman. Yeah. He was like, hey, man, this is how you do a, a rear naked choke. <laughs> I was like, whoa, what is it? Oh, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> Still the only move I know how to do. <laughs> <laughs> I remember well, my first jiu-jitsu class was at Marubra with Bruno. That's going back. That was like, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even know what it was. I just knew that they were doing it in the UFC and I thought, Okay, I'd like to to learn a bit a bit of that. And I went down there, and it was uh, we had to set all the mats up because it was after the lifesavers, like they have a little lifesaver meeting in there, and <laughs> then they would clear everything out, and then we'd set the mats up, and wow. then have to break them down again. And it was more like a bit of a bit of a ghetto setup, but a it was fight awesome. Club. Yeah, <laughs> and you just roll with like shirtless, pretty much. Yeah, that's what it was like in the early days, huh? Back in the day, man. Yeah, come a long way, huh? It's all shirtless, Bodies man. and shirtless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just going for it. Yeah, it was okay. pretty physical. It was tough. It's good. I enjoyed it. But um, yeah, I think uh, like looking at the way the standard jiu-jitsu class plays out, how would you? This is probably more questions more more to you, Joe. Now that you have control of the programming now that you have control of your warm-ups and you've been around from gym to gym what what things have you done differently that you felt your your standard jiu-jitsu class was missing what's the point of difference that you've brought to to jungle brothers yeah i like that question um there's been a few a few key things i reckon the main the main one is uh proper joint preparation beforehand and like and just generally preparing the body like a good warm-up which is usually, you know, pretty rudimentary in a standard jiu-jitsu class and doesn't pay particular attention to perhaps the areas that need it most. Um, so that's the first thing. Second thing um, would be trying to give context behind the techniques that we're learning because there's so many different techniques and positions and terms in the world of jiu-jitsu that you turn up to the standard class and they're like, today we're working on this and then the next day you're working on this and then we're working on this and you need to learn all of those things but I think for for a newer individual, often what sort of, what they miss out on is someone actually giving them the bigger picture of like, well, this is kind of, you know, the the, the intention of like, the the aim of a match in jiu-jitsu is to, is to do this. So, you know, 
from a mechanical perspective, one of the most efficient ways we can do it is by using X. So I'm going to teach you guys something towards that and we're going to focus on this concept. And so it kind of sounds a bit airy, but I, I, I've found that taking a little bit more time to talk about the technique and the concept rather than just getting straight into the technique has helped people. Um, uh, thirdly, something that I've gone away from a little bit, mainly just because I, I haven't found enough time to, to get it as a regular part, but something that I've been trying to squeeze into the classes that I will be doing more of is taking time at the end of the session to down-regulate the nervous system. So anyone that's like, that's, you know, done any kind of fight work, if you go to a class in the evening, like you finish a grappling class at night, usually go home, appetite's not really there and you can't fucking sleep for hours. And it's because your nervous system is still super jacked up and you're all excited and it's, it's a nice feeling, but it doesn't serve you being able to rest and recover and then come back and, you know, after a good sleep and train again the next day. Yeah, for sure. So I've been trying to include some <coughs> kind of work at the end of the session to downregulate. So whether it's breath work, uh, mostly breath work, you know, verging on a little bit of meditation. Um, and that's been super effective. It just is hard in a one-hour session, you know. And especially, too, because at this stage, I'm, I want to give everyone so much, as I'm sure Dave does. You want to you teach them all the things and they want to ask you all the questions and you want to be able to have time for all that. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a really... I really like that, actually, the, uh, as you say, the down-regulating... <clears throat> Of the uh, of the nervous system, that's a big problem. You finish training at nine, it's probably going to be you know midnight before your system is you know died down, relaxed. You know, it's having something like that. If you can shave an hour or two off off that, that's that's a huge, huge thing. Especially if you've got an early morning training session or you're going to work early the next morning, that's that's a massive thing for recovery. I, I like that a lot. That's uh, yeah, I think it goes a long way, huh? So uh, people, you know, people notice it, and, and yeah, it does. I mean, look, the, the other thing that I guess I should mention is um, trying to thread the greater lessons of jiu-jitsu and of grappling and how they apply to your physical development is something that we've tried to weave into the classes here. So, you know, even from the, from the games that we play or the warm-up drills or even how you should, what perspective you should take when you're rolling with another person trying to give people a little bit of context about how that applies to their great to their life so like this concept that dave and i have discussed a lot and that we explored in our our retreats last year was this concept of um understanding or coming to understand your durability so realizing that you are way more durable than you think you have uh your body is strong it's tough you can handle uh, you can handle being battered around a little bit but most of us aren't exposed to an environment where we get that stimulus. So when we first get it, it's super stressful and it's scary and it's intimidating and all those things. I think jujitsu, if, if you can understand that that is a part of it and that you can kind of regulate the intensity of it, then you can start to become comfortable with that kind of thing and being in that stressful environment. And I think that that's the big carryover to life. You know, it's like, because life's fucking stressful. You're gonna have situations where you're getting battered around you're gonna have your limits tested and that's, it's kind of nice to know, okay, I've been in a really stressful situation before and there is always an end to it and I can find a way out of it and I just need to control my mind and you know, I can always tap. You know, th I think there's a nice carry over there. So that's been something that I've tried to <coughs> pass on a bit. No, I agree. I think that's, uh, I think that's, a, very, uh, I think that's a very important point there and, and just realizing as you say that 
it, it, it doesn't matter how, how bad it is, it will pass. And, you know, it, it will get, it will improve. So there's, you know, when, when Joe's saying about, you know, tapping out, that's not saying I give in. That's actually just acknowledging, right, okay, reset, and we go again. Yep. There is no stop. You, you just keep going. You just keep going. So, no, it's, uh, it's interesting stuff. Dave, I wanted to ask you, uh, I guess, just a couple of last questions. I wanted to hit you up on, um, <coughs> well, a couple of things. What do you think that is the number one misconception about jiu-jitsu or grappling in general or fight training? Um, and re- and I'm, I, I guess I'm talking relevant, yeah. sorry to cut you off, relevant yeah. to, to someone who's not doing much of that stuff. Someone who's coming and training some strength and movement classes or some lift classes. Where does it sit for them? Well, I think that the, the common misconception, in my opinion, is <clears throat> that you're learning how to fight. And you are. We, we've already touched on this, but what you're actually doing is in, in like, there are some people that are gonna go and become world champions, but there's not many of them. But for everybody else, in my opinion, jiu-jitsu is about, or fight training, you know, like uh, doing the striking training, mature or something like that, is <clears throat> all about, we, we've touched on this extensively already, but it's learning to be a better and stronger person. That's, I think, the, the misconception you think that you're learning how to fight. You're not. <coughs> you're learning to be a, a stronger person, uh, as in a more durable person, someone who can, who can withstand the knocks that life will take you, will, will actually hit you. So I think, hit, hit you with. So that, uh, that I think is the, is the big misconception. It's not actually about the fighting. It's about the rest of your life. And if you can... If you can withstand someone like Joe, like putting all his body weight down on you and you're thinking, oh my God, I can't possibly escape. And then you do escape. You're like, oh wow, I got out. I mean, it might be that Joe was being very nice to you and he might have actually let you escape, but that's not not the point. The point is, is that, you know, it's not actually even about the fighting or the, the wrestling or the rolling or the striking or whatever. It's about the rest of your life. That's the important bit, not the bit on the mat. I like that. So you're um, co-coaching some of our other classes, Dave, and you're getting exposure, I'm guessing, to a bunch of different movement patterns and um, stuff that you've already been training as well. You have your own journey that you're traveling on and I see you working with one of our other coaches, Alan, Mm. who's a... A fucking amazing move the way the guy moves like an like he's an a, octopus he's a weapon isn't yeah, he? he's like an awesome. octopus <laughs> very very mobile and very very strong oh, he's alright yeah. <laughs> and he's got great not as good as you though Joe but you know <laughs> I didn't want to say anything stop <laughs> <laughs> Al so and, and I mean that's a that's a that's another journey again like within that you're, you're like you're, well you've got your jujitsu practice and then you've got the stuff that you're doing on the side as well sure. um your, and your co-coaching in, in the other classes, if someone was interested in doing some one-on-one sessions with you or just talking to you about jiu-jitsu or always open for that and you're around on the mats, what, um, what other stuff are you doing to help you continue to do what you love doing? That's a great question, actually. I mean, it's interesting. Since, I mean, in the last few years, I've actually really started focusing on mobility and stretching. And it, it's quite funny, actually. I trained for years without ever bothering to stretch. But 
learning how to become more mobile and strong at end of range has really enabled me to keep doing what I'm doing. I can already see that my body recovers faster and learning with, with Alan new ways of mobilizing the body and moving, I can, that is very important you know, for me to be able to keep training like every single day, you know, I train multiple times every day and the stretching and the mobilizing and the recovery is, is so important. And, you know, as you get a bit older, you realize, you know, you're not 19 anymore. You can't just go and do it. You know, you've got to prep your body. And this comes back to what Joe was talking about, about the warm-ups, you know, having like a, a pre-warm-up thing, you know, where you really loosen your body off. You, you, you have a look at any part, parts that, that are tense, you stretch out, then you warm up and then you, you warm down afterwards. Um, I actually want to take this off to another in another direction and just actually say one thing I have noticed is everyone that I've trained with here picks up stuff or picks up the moves remarkably quickly far more far more quickly than on average most people do and I really think a lot of it down is, is to the movement training that the guys do here they know how to move their bodies you know I'll explain a technique I'll show it a few times and they do it the guys do it you know it's very it, it, it's very efficient and it's you know I mean at first I was surprised that people were improving as much as they were but now you're like okay no i appreciate it it's all the extra training the guys are doing this you know important movement training. yeah it's cool it's nice for you to acknowledge that i think that that base that they've got goes a long way huh um t's tapping out <laughs> sorry i have to head downstairs good <laughs> thanks dave you get on it right? <laughs> you know Thank what you that sure. means it means he's 30 minutes 30 minutes late for a pt appointment <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> too good um Oh, well, look, I'll, I, I got a couple of little quick fire bits for you and then we'll wrap it up. Um, general things. Tell me, you got a morning routine that you follow? Yeah, man. Yeah, I got a morning routine. I stretch out every morning. Every morning I stretch out and not too hard, but I, I, I really I just make sure that all, everything is mobile. My joints are really just mobilized straight away. You jump straight um, out of bed and do that? You have a shower pretty first? Pretty much. No, I, I, I'm, I'm actually into the, into the Wim Hof stuff that, nice. uh, uh, that you are. I, I love doing I, I did the, uh, his uh, beginner's program uh, a, a couple of years ago, and I love cold showers. Nice. Like that's, uh, that's and everyone goes. Love, hate, right? No, I love it, actually. You love it, yeah, love it? Yeah, I, I love it. I, I love it. It's like it's, still it, scares it's the shit out of me every morning. Oh, man, but it. yeah, but I went through that phase. But the thing is, you feel like you're a quitter if you don't do it. Oh, yeah. You're like, you're like man, I got, you know, man, I, I'm not a quitter. You look yeah. in the mirror. No, no, no. Yeah. And then you get in the shower. But no, it's. Um, and you cry. And it was, <laughs> there were tears. But um, yeah, it's, I have a cold shower and that actually helps set me up. I'm like, right. So what, you jump out of bed, you do a little stretch routine. And yeah. then you jump in the cold shower. Generally speaking, yeah, I don't like. I didn't like stretching straight after the cold shower. You know, it just it yeah, didn't yeah. feel. It felt a bit more uh, tense. But the thing is, then I'll stretch out, and then I'll do a few push-ups, a few squats, through a few pull-ups, just to get the blood flowing through the system. And and then I'll have my cold shower, and then and then I'm in the attitude of right, let's crush the day. Nice. Let's go and do something, you know. Is breakfast a thing straight after that? Or? No, well, the thing is, I get up pretty early now, man, you know. So <clears throat> I actually am I'm doing the, uh, the intermittent fasting thing. I've uh, got an app. Um, my friend developed an app called Paleo Clock. And it just it tells you when the optimal times to eat in the day mm. are. And, I, and the thing is, I like an, an eight-hour window when I'm eating. 
Yeah. You know, and I, so I'll generally eat at say eight, nine, 10, and then I'll have my last meal as in I will finish eating eight hours later. Yeah. Okay. And that's it. And, and it really, so it's like mid afternoon. Yeah. I mean, if it depends what, what time, I mean, sometimes I, I eat at 11. So that means I, but the thing Got is I like, I like to eat at least, you know, an, not, an, two hours before I go to bed. Okay. And then everything's cleared. And then, yeah. I mean, you know, you read about like the spikes in human growth hormone you get and things like that. But man, it, it, it feels great. I, I've leaned down a lot. Um, I've, you know, I've put on weight. You know, it's, I mean, you've got to make sure you get your calories in. I know you're not a, a big fan of this intermittent fasting stuff, but in fairness to you, you, you did say to me, try it. You said, when I was talking to you about it, you said, try it. You said, everyone is different. What works for one person doesn't work for another. And I, I felt more energetic since I've been doing it. I felt more, you know, I felt more alert through my mind. My, annoyingly, most people haven't picked up on that. But, uh, <laughs> I, uh, <clears throat> oh, man, it's, I mean, yeah, so, so that's my morning routine. I get up and then, and, and I just like, right, get, get on with it. Nice, away. nice. I like it. Uh, what's the best book you've read in the last 12 months? Oh, God. Uh best book best book best book god i love reading as well i read a lot of books um, go back further than 12 ah, months ah, and i can tell out. you i tell you tribe oh sebastian jungle yeah that's a great book man. i haven't read it that's a great that's a great, i lent it to a friend of mine actually i was going to say i've got to get it back often because it's one of those books that i want to lend to people yep. i want to say in and the thing is for the jungle brothers movement it's really applicable man so it's like sick that that's a that's a great book that's, if, a, that's a good recommendation. That's been on my list for a while. Uh, have you read it? Have no, read? no, no, no. I, oh, okay, I, right. I heard him on Joe Rogan and I fucking loved that episode. Dude, it's, it's, the, the book is, is amazing and, and I love it where it talks about, and it actually really resonated with me where it talks about purpose, living with purpose. And a lot of people, you know, they live, you know, they, they have their kids. That's a big thing they live for is their kids. They're like, right, I've got to do everything for my kids. But that's just one one facet of it you're living for, he was talking about you know like when he was with all these uh, these soldiers that were in uh, in Afghanistan and these guys didn't have electricity for a year and they were on top of this hill in Afghanistan and he was he was living with them for a long period obviously they got like heli drops and things like that but these guys were there for a year and the thing was he said oh that was the movie he made Restrepo was was uh, it Restrepo that I was... haven't seen the movie but okay, I, I've yep. read about it in the book but basically what he said was he said when everyone got back home, he said, obviously, they had some celebrating to do. He said, they had some, some pretty wild parties, he said. But the thing is, he said, they, when they got that out of the way, a lot of them wanted to go back. They wanted to go back onto that hill. And he said, a lot of it came down to purpose. They relied on each other. Like, they knew that, you know, like, Bob knew he had to keep an eye on the right flank. It's not that he didn't have a choice. He was he was going to do it, and all his boys were relying on him to do it. And he's and and, and or else someone's going to die. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's an, obviously an extreme example. But the but point, that's that's what they were dealing yeah, with. Yeah, that's right? what they were dealing. But they were dealing with purpose. Yeah, real purpose. And it was like you know, and and he said it was, and you we a lot of the time you don't get that in modern day life. I mean, you look at for instance, Joe and I before we were talking about we we're talking about uh, Elon Musk. That guy lives with purpose, man. You can't drive yourself like that unless he believes what he's doing. That's right. Like, you know, that's you, 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 you kick up a notch when you're living with purpose. And, and I've felt this myself. It's like, you know, you've got, eh, and then you go, oh, no, no, I, I got to do this. Yeah, it energizes like, yeah, you. Yeah, this is like, so it's like, okay, let's, let's do, you know, you're not like, well, we'll, we'll schedule a meeting and maybe next week we'll, ha no, 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 we're doing it now. Like, 
clear the desks right now. And that's and, and I like that. Everyone has that feeling every now and then. And and I really I really like that. You know, that's so to come back to what you were saying, tribe really brought home to me the living with purpose principle. You know? Nice. Nice. Uh, last one, last one for you. What's, uh, what's something, what's like a belief around training that you've changed your mind on in recent years? So something that you might have once thought that you've, that you've flipped on. That's a really good question, man. And it actually links back to what we were, we were talking about. You need to be altruistic. Oh, sorry. One needs to be altruistic. If I learn something, like a move or anything, I wouldn't tell anyone. I'd keep it to myself. And I didn't realize that I was actually harming myself doing it. Obviously, you've got, you don't want to, if you're competing a lot, you're not going to tell the guys you're competing with all your moves. But I should have realized and been able to take care uh, to realize <clears throat> that my training partners were my assets. And if I said, man, I'm making this mistake, you're catching me with this all the time, or I just saw this move, it's working brilliantly, I want to drill it with you, and just showed the guys what I was doing and then practice, practice, practice. The point was, you've got to take care of your training partners, man. You've got to treat them better than you treat yourself. And if you do that, excuse me, and if you do that, then you will improve. Because especially in jiu-jitsu, in boxing, you can get pretty good hitting the bag. Shadow boxing. You can do you can get to a reasonable standard. In jiu-jitsu, you are nothing without the other guy. What are you gonna do? Use a grappling dummy? Like, all right, fine. You can you, you know, you'll probably get quite good at suplexing it and going from knee ride and but you need a training partner. So, so you, the, the more you can share and yeah. build them up. Yeah, the the better they your get. development will be. And it's like it I had to lose that selfishness of me wanting to be number one, to realizing it doesn't matter. No one cares. Yeah. You know, it's, it, if you do get there, it's fleeting at best. But, the, but that know. is also a more effective path to being number yeah, one, right? It, it's, exactly, it's not yeah. about winning the training. Exactly. It's when you let go of that, you'll actually ironically stand a greater chance of getting there. Yep. Is, yeah. Yeah. Very nice, man. Man, I think that's a good point for us to uh, wrap up on. Nice. Thanks for, uh, thanks for making the time today. Can you just tell us uh, what class you're coaching down here each week? You've got the, yeah, so it's, what, when are your grappling classes? So it's uh, Monday at 6.45. Yep. It's uh, Tuesday at 9.30, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, and it's Thursday at 6.45. So nice, if you all, fan- all in the morning, AMs. Yeah. All, all, all AMs, yeah. So if you fancy a, a class, guys, get down there. It's, uh, you know, and of course, uh, Mr. Joe is uh, in the evenings. I got the evenings. Yeah, I got Wednesday night, seven fifteen. Friday, six fifteen p.m. And then we got I got Saturday morning, nine a.m. Um, you doing privates? If anyone wants privates, you're yeah, available for that. If you want to take your game to the next level quickly, yeah, uh, a private will uh, definitely help. You know, like you know, it's uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's a no-brainer in that in that sense. But if you're interested, please c- come and have a chat. Nice. All right, homie. Thank you, man. Legend. Thank you, sir. Cheers. <laughs>